welcome to New Life Church Sermons. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to connect more with us, go to newlifesl.church. Isaiah 40, verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Everyone say shall. It doesn't say might. It doesn't say they that wait upon the Lord will hopefully renew their strength. It says they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles they shall run everybody say shall say it one more time where there's no question mark behind it shall they shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint powerful powerful word And I want to talk to us today from this title. There's revival in the waiting. There's revival in the waiting. Let's pray. Let's lift our voice to the Lord. Would you lift your hands and would you just ask the Lord to speak to you through his word today? Lord Jesus, we come before you. We worship you. We magnify you. We exalt you. For there's nobody in the heavens above or in the earth beneath that can compare to you. You are God all by yourself, that beside you there is no other. And your word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And I pray, God, today that as the word goes forth, that it would find each person where they are and that it would minister to them in the season or situation that they are in and that you, the Lord, would speak to them and they would know, I know where you are, says the Lord. I see you as you are and I see you where you are and I'm calling you to look to me as the answer and source for everything that you need. Father, I pray today, Lord, that you would minister in this house. Let there be a spirit of revelation fill the room and let the gift of faith fall in this house that we would believe you, God, that you are as good as your word. We praise you and we worship you and we magnify you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you clap your hands mightily to the Lord? The Bible is filled with the idea, the concept, the principle of waiting. Paul talks about how the sons of God in Romans 8 are waiting, groaning. The earth is waiting and groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. Talking about that what is happening in the earth now and the kingdom of God that is in the earth now, it is real and it is legitimate, but there is coming a moment where it will be made manifest. And you read the end of the book and you read about a new city 
called a new Jerusalem and a new heaven and a new earth. And there are no gates uh, per se because there is no evil that will be able to enter. So there's no reason to block it. And the lamb is the light. There's no need for a literal physical sun to light this city because the lamb is the light. And God will dwell with his people in their new bodies in this new Jerusalem on this new heaven and new earth and all of that is not a figment of our imagination it is not a spiritual idea that we just kind of think about but it's never going to be literal I want to remind you today that it is a literal new heaven and new earth that will exist and a new Jerusalem that the people of God will physically dwell in heaven heaven do not be so overcome and overwhelmed with this world that you forget about heaven Heaven is the reason why we're here today, in case you forgot. I want to go to heaven. I want to spend eternity with Jesus. And so I'm going to do whatever I got to do to make sure that there is no corrupt thing found in me. We can become weary in well-doing, even though the scripture says, be not weary in well-doing, while we are waiting for heaven. And Abraham knew what it was like to wait. He receives a promise from God uh, that he would be made a great nation and his descendants would be as the sand of the seashore and as the stars of the heavens. And Abraham went for 25 years before seeing his son born that would be the promised child that would ensure that those descendants could even be possible. Because Abraham, when he received this promise, he had no children. You cannot have descendants that are as the sand of the seashore and the stars of heaven if you have no children yourself. And so Abraham didn't understand how it would all work out in the beginning. Yet he did believe God and he obeyed God and He went where God said go and every place his foot tread, the Lord said, I'm going to give you that land. So walk through the land, survey the land, not just visibly, but physically walk through it, walk on it. That even though this isn't yours now, one day it will be. God still does that in case you were wondering. What is not yours now in this moment doesn't mean it will never be. But there are things that God desires to give this church. There are things and blessings that God desires to give you, his people, those who are in covenant with him. God actually desires to bless you. It's not referring specifically and only to physical things. God desires to bless you with peace that passes all understanding. But there is a prerequisite. you got to keep your mind stayed on him. You've got to love his law. you got to love the word. If you love his word and if your mind is stayed on him, he will keep you in perfect peace. And in the day and age in which we live, I think perfect peace is a really good blessing. 
I'll forfeit the millions of dollars in the bank account if I can just have perfect peace in this chaotic world. Amen. I'll, I'll take the joy of the Lord, which is my strength in the middle of this weary, worn down world any day over a brand new car. If that just means I can keep my sanity in a world that's losing its mind. We need to remember that blessings are visible and invisible, tangible and intangible, spiritual and physical. Yes, Abraham became a wealthy man. Yes, he did. But he also had spiritual blessings. And so it is the will of God to bless his people in all ways and in all things. But Abraham walked with God and Abraham waited on God for 25 years before he ever saw his promised son born. And Abraham made some mistakes during that waiting period. And he got some things wrong. And Abraham acted out in the flesh by uh, having a child with his wife's handmaiden at the encouragement of his own wife. That's, That's when you know you're getting real desperate to see the promise come to pass. You take matters into your own hands and you'll do things you never would have done before perhaps. But uh, when you are uh, weary in the waiting, sometimes you act out in the flesh. And Abraham did that. And we see that the descendants of Abraham, the nation of Israel that were slaves in the land of Egypt, they waited. It was promised by God that Abraham's descendants would be strangers in a strange land and experience hard bondage. But the Lord told Abraham, I will bring them out. And so the descendants of Abraham, who are the children of Israel, which Israel was known as Jacob, which was the grandson of Abraham. Uh, uh, They are they are. They are slaves in bondage in the nation of Egypt. And for 400 plus years they are in this land and they are experiencing hardship. But yet they're people of promise. And in the 21st century mindset, people of promise should not experience hardship. Right? I'm blessed and highly favored. I shouldn't go through trials, tribulations, problems and persecutions. Right? But Jesus says, if you love me, if you identify with me, you will have persecution in this life. The world is going to hate you. And so what we need to understand is, yes, we are people of promise. And I believe with all my heart that this church is a church of promise, a church with promise, with unprecedented potential that God is looking to raise up people in this last day to use mightily for his kingdom in this region. So great promise is upon you. And when you begin to believe that, you begin to act that way. That's why I'm so uh, proud and excited and happy that there are people in this church right now that have opened up their home and they are beginning to teach Bible studies to their friends and their neighbors and last they told me that they had eight in their home for a home group Bible study. When you begin to believe that God has purpose for your life, you'll begin to do things you've never done before and don't think for a second God isn't going to honor that. 
But when you begin to answer the call of God, you're going to face things. When you begin to embrace this idea, there's more to me than just keeping a pew warm, but I'm actually going to make an impact in the kingdom of God. You're going to face things. You're going to go through things. And just like that, the children of Israel, people of promise, they're slaves in the land of Egypt for hundreds of years. God preserves them, raises up a deliverer, Moses, and hides him in Pharaoh's own household. And at 40 years of age, Moses flees Egypt because he murdered an Egyptian who was beating an Israelite. And they found out about it, and Moses knew he would die, and so he runs away, and for 40 years... He is a shepherd on the backside of the desert keeping sheep for his father-in-law Jethro. Forty years goes by. Well, in Moses' mind, you have to think and imagine that he's done. This is his life now because he murdered someone 40 years ago. He's done, right? You know, that thing you did all those years ago, you're done. You'll, ne you'll, you'll never be anything for God now. You know, the family tree that you come from, you'll never be able to do anything special for God. So you may as well just settle in and not reach for anything else and just kind of exist the rest of your life because you're through, right? No, but nobody thinks like that around here, do they? Oh, no, I, I saw some people shaking their heads. No, no, people think like that. That thing you did, that experience you had, what happened to you or what you did all those years ago defined you, so you're done. Moses is just living his new life, running away from his past 40 years later. But your past is one second ago. Why are you still running from it all those years later? And Moses, one day, the Bible says he, something catches his eye. It's a bush that is on fire but is not being consumed. We call that supernatural fire. <laughs> and it catches his eye. There's so much packed into that little point found in Scripture. If a church can just catch on fire... It'll catch the attention of the city. I'm talking about Holy Ghost fire. John the Baptist said that Jesus would baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. And it still catches the attention of the people around you. That's why it's important to be full of the Holy Ghost. That's why it's important to allow it to consume your life because this supernatural, unusual fire burning on this bush but not consuming this bush catches Moses' attention. And the Bible says he turns aside to see this great sight and out of the bush comes a voice. And uh, uh, we know the fire resembles the Spirit of God and out of this comes a voice. And uh, so... Uh, Moses is introduced to God. And he 
His name is revealed as Yahweh. He will be. That's what that means. That's how Moses would relay to Israel when he goes into Egypt. When God said, I am that I am, or I am hath sent you, Moses cannot go back and say, I am, because only God can say, I am. And I am, when Moses is referring to who God said his name is or what God said his name is, Moses referred to it and responded and said, he will be. And so that is where you get the name Yahweh. Yahweh means he will be. And uh, that is the name that God gave and revealed himself as. What does that mean? Whatever you need, he will be. That's why he is the Lord our healer, the Lord our provider, the Lord who sees. He is the Lord our peace. He is the Lord who has become our salvation. <laughs> you know what salvation in the Old Testament is called in Hebrew? You read it in English, salvation in the Old Testament. You know what the word for it is? Yeshua. Isn't there somebody born in the New Testament named Yeshua, Hebrew Yeshua? Jesus, God, Emmanuel, God with us. And, and, and so this is revealed and Moses is being called by God to go bring out God's people. And so through many plagues, signs and wonders and a mighty strong hand, God brings them out. And he defeats and overthrows the validity of of the Egyptian gods, revealing that you may have a sun god, but I'm the God who created the sun, so I have the power to shut it down. You may worship a God who is the God of the Nile River, but I am the God who brought forth the rivers, and I set the boundaries of them, so I have the power to shut it down if I want to. You can worship what you want to, but I am God the Almighty, and I can do whatever I want. God exposes those idols and those false gods through this story of bringing out the Israelites. And he's got one left. That after hundreds of years of the Israelites being captive in the land of Egypt, they finally go out and they're, they're headed to the promised land. They, they, they've been delivered, they've been rescued, and they are headed out into the promised land. Everyone is thankful, everyone's rejoicing, and they get to the Red Sea. How are we going to pass through this? And they dwell there for a moment, and Pharaoh is so hard-hearted and proud that after he has lost his firstborn son, he is so consumed with anger, pride, revenge, and a God complex that he rallies his troops together and pursues after the Israelites because he will not be defeated by an 80-year-old shepherd and a bunch of slaves. 
And so he pursues after them and he finds them trapped and pinned against the Red Sea and he pursues and the Israelites begin to get real nervous and afraid and Moses, did you just bring us out here to die? And is this the end? We experienced all of that and now we're going to die by the water. And all of a sudden, Exodus 14 verse 13, Moses declares to them, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. That doesn't make much sense when a literal army of skilled swordsmen and seasoned warriors are racing towards you on their chariots at lightning fast speed, ready to destroy the entire race of Israelites. Standing still doesn't seem like a good idea. Doing nothing when your family is at stake doesn't make sense. Doing nothing when it appears like your life is about to end doesn't make sense. Doing nothing when after all you've been through it looks like you're about to lose everything, it doesn't make sense. Standing still and waiting on this God who is invisible, who has no image, but yet reveals himself as a pillar of fire or a pillar of cloud that doesn't make sense to the natural mind. But God is not interested in answering our questions that we come up with in our natural mind. When is this going to end? How am I going to make it through? What is going to be the end result of this? We've asked those questions. When am I going to come out of this? When is God going to do what he's promised? When is my family going to be saved? We want the calendar date answered. We want to know the when, the where, the why, the how, the who, and the what. And we want to know it now. But God is not controlled by our questions. But God is interested in getting us to a place where we simply stand still and see his salvation. Getting us from a place where we're no longer fearing and fretting with our natural mind but we're trusting with our spiritual mind, knowing if he did all of that in Egypt, surely he's got one more miracle up his sleeve because I just can't believe that this good God that has answered all those prayers in days gone by is gonna leave me out here to die now because if he did it then, he can do it again. I don't have all the answers. I don't know how it's going to work out, when it's going to work out, or what's going to be the end result, but I do know this. God is as good as his word. Do you believe that? Let's give him praise for a moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at somebody and say, God is as good as his word. You can't separate his word from him. Whatever he says is just an expression of who he is. That's very powerful. 
That's a whole book right there. That's a whole theological discovery right there. What he says is simply an expression of who he is. That's why the word was God. And then the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Because it's simply an expression of who he is. And, and, and so uh, if God's saying, I'm going to save you, it's because he is salvation. And what was happening in this story, Exodus 14, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. What that means is do nothing and watch God work. But what that doesn't mean is don't do anything. What it really means is do nothing out of your flesh or your human wisdom, but instead watch God work. Because this Red Sea isn't going to be parted by your human ingenuity. And this Red Sea isn't going to be parted because you feared it to pass. And this Red Sea isn't going to be parted because you stayed up all night worrying about how and when is it going to happen. And this Red Sea isn't going to be parted because you're talented enough or you're smart enough or you've been an Israelite long enough and you know how things are done. This Red Sea isn't going to be parted that way. So stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Do nothing out of your flesh in your human ingenuity and wisdom, but instead quiet yourself, be still, and watch God work. The, the, the waiting isn't meant for us to sit around and do nothing. The promises of God are not spoken before time for us to just be who we've always been and then if God wills it and when God's ready it will just happen no the promises of God are spoken ahead of time to to incite a hunger in us to have a faith walk that says I know it's in the future somewhere whether two weeks two years or two decades but God said it and I know enough about him to understand he doesn't lie. So at some point along the way, it's going to happen. And there's something in me that wants to war for the prophecy and fight for the promise and walk after the promise. So Abraham, this land that is promised to me, it's not mine yet, but that doesn't stop me from walking in it. This city has not experienced the revival that we know God desires to give this city. But that doesn't stop us from preaching about it now. It doesn't stop us from praying for it now. It doesn't stop us from outreaching for it now. And it doesn't stop us from coming here Sunday and Wednesday and together believing for it. And it doesn't stop us from pushing and pulling and persuading people. You need to see what God's doing. You need to experience what God is doing at 890 Fargo 
Mango Avenue. There's something stirring. There's something shaking. There's something moving. And we haven't seen the fullness of it yet. But that doesn't stop us from walking in it now. It's already ours because God's already promised it. But we can't do things out of the flesh because we're going to create Ishmael's and we're going to create problems that stop it. So we've got to stay laser focused on what God has ordained and purposed and promised and say, I don't care if it's 25 years from now. What I do know is there is this absurd promise from God, Abraham, that my descendants will be as the sand of the seashore and the stars of heaven. Don't think for a second that God is interested in small things and small revivals. He starts off small, but then he lets it continue to grow. And what you have seen happening now pales in comparison to what will be it started off small but there's something on the horizon that is greater than you can imagine because God promised it not because you're so talented not because I'm so special but because God said it so stick with him stick with the promise and you may see the Egyptians closing in on the Red Sea but my God didn't bring me all this way to let me die now. Whatever he's brought me to, I know he's going to see me through. If you believe that, let's worship him. The waiting isn't meant for us to sit around and do nothing, but it is meant, the waiting period, the, the moment between promise spoken and promise fulfilled, that terrible waiting. I mean, nobody likes waiting. Let's just be honest. Nobody likes waiting. I prefer to wait than actually see everything God promised. I, I, I like this waiting period where I know God said it and I know God's going to do it, but I just want to stay in limbo. I love that. If that's you, I, I don't know what to tell you. I, I can't help you. That just doesn't make sense. I prefer to be in the dark. I prefer this faith walk of, you know, the in-between. No, no. But there's a purpose for it. And the purpose is meant not for us to sit around and do nothing. You know, Abraham learned more about God in those 25 years of waiting than he did before. And then once the promise was fulfilled, he had all these testimonies to look back on. I, I, I. The waiting is meant for you to get closer to God. And if you're not getting closer to God during the waiting, you're just prolonging that period. Because God's eternal and he's not in a hurry. And so there's a purpose for the waiting and a lesson to be learned in the waiting. And if you and I refuse to learn it, we just make ourselves miserable. So the purpose is to get us to a point where we're no longer acting out in our flesh. 
but now we're in tune with the Spirit. The waiting is meant to strip us down of carnal thinking and carnal methods and human wisdom and ingenuity and, and doing it the way we think it ought to be done, but stripping us of all of that to get us to the point where we say, I understand how it looks all down here, but I've heard something from God, and I'm going to watch God work. That's what it's meant to do, the waiting period. Let it form you. Let it make you. Individually, what are you waiting on? What, what, what's God doing in your life? Are you letting it form you, or are you continuing to live this whole thing out in the flesh? Because if you continue to live it out in the flesh, you'll miss it completely. But if you will allow God to transform your thinking, if we will allow God to transform our heart and our motives and our desires, God will get us to the point. I see what you were doing. And now I see what you want to do. And there's this quiet strength that comes to it. He brought me through back then. I have no reason to believe that he's not going to do it again. This, this idea of being in tune with the Spirit. Paul says, they that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. If we're not being Spirit-led, we are refusing to be a child of God the way he desires. Being a child of God is not just the fact you confessed him as your Lord and Savior and through repentance you turned your life over to him and then you were baptized in the name of Jesus and you were filled with the Holy Ghost and then you're done. No, no. After that, that that's the initiation. That's the new birth salvation. That's the entrance through the door. But then after that you got to let him call the shots for your life. And if any of his children who have been adopted through the new birth salvation, refuse to let him call the shots for their life, he'll put them in waiting rooms so that they'll learn to trust their heavenly father. Because no earthly father gives in to the stubbornness of their children. Where do you think we got that from? The problem is, is he has all the time in the world because he created time. You and I don't. We're guaranteed 70, 80 years on this earth if we live a righteous life. I want to learn the lessons quicker than later. Don't you? I want to be who God wants me to be sooner than later. I don't want to be the same man at 50 that I am now. I don't want to be the same person uh, today that I was 10 years ago and I pray to God that I'm not I want the waiting periods to cause me to be more spiritually minded where my mind is on God at all times that even though I go through things it doesn't wear me down anymore the only way it wears me down is it's forming in me what God wants to be in me does anybody want that for your life does anybody want that for your family? There's a song, whatever you have to do to me, don't let me be lost for eternity. Above all else, I must be 
saved. And I don't care how many seasons of waiting I have to go through. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. You know the Jesus you serve right now that you don't see? Oh, I know it sometimes is hard and you wish you could look upon his face. But one day the word says you will see him. So be not weary in well-doing, but continue to persevere and trust in God. You believe that today? Why don't you receive that for a moment and worship him? Why don't we lift our hands for a moment, lift our voice to the Lord and allow his spirit to minister to us for a moment. Would you pray? Would you pray? Would you ask the Lord to strengthen? Isaiah 40, verse 31. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This word wait is not done justice in the English language. Because when we think of wait, we're at a restaurant waiting for our table that's the worst especially if there's like six to seven open tables and like it'll be 45 minutes just set me up a chair in the kitchen please Put, give me a hairnet so you know I'm legal you know in the kitchen I'll just eat back there you know like you know and uh, they're like we're short staffed I'm like I'll carry some drinks to a table for some tips and then use that to pay for my dinner you know just 45 minutes you know it, uh, it doesn't make sense to us. Of course, we're not in the restaurant business. But uh, waiting, we're just sitting there. You know, it's the worst. You feel helpless. You know, I, I, I'm hungry. I want to eat. I can't leave, you know. You can, but you like, I can't leave because I'm waiting on my table. What do I do? You're just, well, that's how it feels sometimes in life. But we're not meant to just sit around and do nothing while we are waiting upon the Lord. It doesn't say waiting on the Lord. It says waiting upon the Lord. And this word wait is very interesting because it doesn't just simply mean sit there. But there's several ideas expressed through the, the Hebrew of this word wait in our English Bible. And one, it means bind oneself to. Well, that sounds like an action. That doesn't sound like I'm just sitting here doing nothing. Wait upon the Lord. Bind yourself to the Lord. I don't know what's happening in this season. I don't understand what's going on in my life. I don't understand why God gave me a promise two years ago and it hasn't happened yet, but I bind myself to you, Lord. Because the writer of Hebrews says, Jesus is the anchor of our soul. So as you bind yourself to him, he also binds himself to you. And he will keep you anchored in the middle of a storm. But he won't keep you anchored 
if you're not connected to him. That's why Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you simply stay connected to me, it doesn't matter what you go through. You shall renew your strength and you shall mount up with wings as eagles. You shall run and you will not get weary and you shall walk and not faint. Why? Because Jesus is the life source. And as long as you're connected to him, the waves can be crashing. The enemy can be closing in. The season can be dark. The situation can be terrible, but I've got Jesus. I've got Jesus. And whatever I'm going through on this life is not comparable to Jesus. If you have Jesus, you have everything you need. It doesn't matter if the bills are coming in faster than the paychecks. It doesn't matter if your family's going crazy. It doesn't matter if your body is racked full of sickness and infirmity. If you have Jesus, you have the healer. If you have Jesus, you have the provider. If you have Jesus, you have the one that can restore. So wait upon the Lord. Bind yourself to the Lord. But another idea of this word wait is this same Hebrew word is used in different places in the scripture as look upon. They that look upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They that look to Jesus in times of trouble shall renew their strength. They that have their back up against the Red Sea and are facing Pharaoh and his armies, if they will just look up for their redemption draweth nigh, if they will look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of their faith, they will be renewed in their strength because they will see Jesus who is on the throne. Your problem isn't on the throne. Jesus is on the throne. Your situation isn't on the throne. Jesus is on the throne. And while you and I are in our waiting seasons of God forming and fashioning us and bringing us through things to make us better and more into his image, when we finally realize that what I do while I'm waiting is I cling to Jesus and I look to Jesus then you and I will truly understand there's revival in the waiting. There's strength that comes in the waiting. Nothing's changed in my life except my faith. Nothing has been resolved yet except for I know that Jesus is the answer. That's where revival comes. That's when revival comes. When you cling to him and you look to him and you put your hope in him and you cast your cares at his feet, that's when revival's coming to you. And no, you may not see the fullness of everything yet, but you're revived. You're renewed in your strength. You're able to mount up with wings as eagles and begin to fly and soar high above those problems. You can walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but it's like you're flying above it in your spirit because what is around you is no longer affecting what's in you. Why? Abide in me and I in you. He is the vine. We are the branches. Cling to Jesus. That's the revival. 
That's the revival for some of us in this room that we need today. We need to understand. It doesn't matter if it doesn't happen yet. I'm going to get my revival now. I'm not going to be weary waiting for the revival that God has promised is coming to here. But I'm going to cling to Jesus and I'm going to look to Jesus now. And I'm going to celebrate every victory. And I'm going to do what God's called me to do in this season. And I'm going to have my revival now. I'm going to be renewed in the strength of the Lord now. And you can have that today. That's the revival that's in the waiting. If you'll simply cling to him and look to him and put your trust in him. How many believe that today? Why don't we lift our hands all over this house and right where you are in your seat, would you begin to look to Jesus again? With your prayer, with your faith, would you begin to set your affections on things above again? Would you begin to cling to him and look to him right now?